Think Red Ink Ministries presents The Words of Jesus series with Don C. Harris Hello my friends and welcome once again to the Words of Jesus series. I'm Don Harris and uh, we're going to be talking from chapter 63 of our little book. Uh, people ask, you know, where do I get this little book? Uh, this book is out of print, but um, there are many copies that uh, you can find on, uh, on eBay and these kind of things. People find them laying around. And because it is a, it is a nice little book with beautiful woodcuts and color pictures and, uh, you know, someone took great care in publishing this book. Um, sometimes people tend to think that they're worth a whole lot of money. <laughs> And uh, you can, but you can find these things uh, reasonable. All different covers, all different colors, all kinds. There's a bunch of them out there. It must have been a very popular book at one time. You think so? <laughs> you think there was a time when people really wanted to know the words of Jesus? Well, we're trying our best to bring that day back. And um, if uh, I, my intention is for you to just fall in love with your Savior. Um, not the little sheep-toting guy you saw on the flannel graph or on the PowerPoint presentation in Sunday school, but, uh, you know, the Son of God who walked on this earth and who said many things that we need to know and supernaturally empowered His disciples to remember those things and write them down. Uh, the, the Scriptures are a gift to this... this uh, uh, Late model man. That's us. We're the late models. Um, uh, the early models uh, had a, I don't know, they, they just, they seem to have a relationship. They seem to get it. I don't know. Uh, and, you know, back then, of course, men were men, women were women, and, um, you know, life was uh, better. Um, well, I say that, but, um, you know, it, it had its problems as well. We all, we all do. The Bi Did you know the Bible actually says that um, that uh, uh, the man who says, you know, uh, uh, the former days are better than these, a man who says the former days are better than these lacks understanding. Um, and so when we do get nostalgic or I make some comment about early Christians and things like this, I think about that and I, and I wonder... But they were, weren't they? Weren't they better days? Well, they had different kinds of problems. But um, uh, we, we, have, uh, I, we have our problems. But uh, I really think that the Lord has given us a wonderful gift in our day, which is the Scriptures. It's something that early Christians, frankly, did not have. Uh, they were familiar by reading and by, by synagogue, synagogue attendance. Uh, these kind of things, they were familiar with the older Scriptures and and the letters of Paul went throughout the churches, and, uh, and, and, and they heard these things, but they were witnesses to what they knew in their spirits because these people were actually born again. And, um, and I, I, that, that's what I want for us. Not a relationship with a book, although I love the book. Wouldn't want to be without it. Uh, there's just nothing in the world to compare with hearing the voice of God within yourself. Um, I always give the example, I think it's a perfect example of a man telling his, his best girl or telling his wife or 
telling anybody, really, that, you know, I, I want you to know that I love you. And, uh, and you can see that those words have incredible power because they came from your lips. They came from your thoughts. They went into their ear. They went into their thoughts. And it was a communication between you and that person. But if you simply just wrote it on a card, if you said, you know, I could tell you really liked it when I told you that I loved you, and I don't plan on ever saying that again. So here's what, here's what I want to do. You give them a three-by-five card that you have printed on there, I love you. And you hand it to them and say, anytime you want to hear that, just take this little card and read it. That'll do. Uh, how far are you going to get with your girlfriend, guys? Not very far. You can write it on a card if it's stuck in flowers, but she does expect to hear it again. We have a relationship with God where writing it down, that's enough for me. That's enough for me. Listen, if you ever have an encounter with God where He makes it clear to you within your own self, that he loves you, that he cares for you, and he's going to see to it that you, you are never in need of anything. There is absolutely no scripture in the world that can replace that. There is nothing, there is no study, there is no memorization, there is nothing that will replace that. Because one is his mouth to your ear. Figuratively, his mouth to your ear. And one is simply a record. It's a good record. Love to hear it. But you know, Jesus loves me. This I know. Period. <laughs> I, 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 you know, for the Bible tells me so? I don't know. Really? <laughs> do you know that because the Bible tells you so? Or do you know it because he actually told you? Um, I encourage everybody to seek this portion of your, of your Christian existence that essentially doesn't even exist right now. As close as you come to what I'm talking about, have you ever been reading the scriptures and, and you hear more than what's written there? Uh, it touches you in a certain way uh, to the point that sometimes you can go back to that scripture and read it and it just doesn't quite do it for you. Do you know what happened right then? That was the word of God to your soul. Not the scriptures, the word of God. He speaks to us. Uh, the Word of God comes to us many times as we read the Scriptures, but not all the time. It's like we're going to talk, be talking about prayer here. There is a common understanding in prayer. Well, okay, I was, you know, when I was a little boy, I was in the Pentecostal churches, and we had all kinds of terms that I don't know if they use them universally or not, but... Um, I can remember the old timers <laughs> talking about, uh, oh, so-and-so, you know, at church last week, they prayed through. You ever heard that? <laughs> they prayed through. Um, and uh, what that means is uh, that this prayer was different than any other prayer. This, uh, there was something, it was like God was actually listening. <laughs> and uh, uh, I guess what it does is it kind of leaves us with a, Kind of a lonely and kind of a sad feeling like I'd really like to pray through every time, but sometimes I can't. You ever heard somebody talk about that the heavens were brass? 
or a door was closed in their face. C.S. Lewis talks about a door being slammed in its face. And um, we've all had that experience. Well, I think we all know what that is. We all understand unanswered prayer. And uh, Jesus is trying to, uh, he, he tries in, in, in our next chapter, he talks about how uh, you know prayer has certain purposes and you have to be of the right mindset to understand what it is. Let's get into it. Or time will be gone again. Jesus discusses prayer. Now, once when Jesus had been praying, one of his disciples said to, her, said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. John taught his disciples. Jesus replied, when you pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth. Just like it's done in heaven Give us this day only our daily bread. Okay, I added the word. But you need to understand, it's not give us our weekly bread. Give us our monthly allowance. Give us our, our yearly supply. Give us our daily bread. And then we're going to talk about that as well. And forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Now, oh, and, and we'll finish the thing and then I'll back up. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, it was Wycliffe, I think. No, it was Tyndale that added, um, Thine be the power and the glory forever and ever, amen, or whatever. Um, because it was distasteful in the minds of many people, and especially the Jews, to uh, end a prayer with a word like evil. <laughs> to end a prayer on a negative note. So this little portion was added, but it was not part of, of the prayer that Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray. Here's what you need from God. When they said, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples, um, I don't think he was saying, teach us to pray like John taught his disciples, or teach us, in the, teach us to pray in the manner that John taught his disciples to pray. I think he was saying, teach us to pray. John taught his disciples how to pray. You should teach us how to pray. Now, i, I got to ask you, what do you think the, the chances of these people at this particular point in their life, having never prayed. Well, almost none, isn't it? Um, they understood prayer. We almost uh, pray unwittingly or unknowingly or involuntarily. We find ourselves in a, in a situation of prayer. And um, so the chances of them having never prayed up to that point because they didn't know how to pray is, is very unlikely. So when he says, teach us to pray, what was he actually telling them? Or what, was, what were they asking Jesus to do? They were saying what we all say, if we're honest. Can you teach us to pray effectively? How about you teaching us to pray in a way that actually 
actually does something. And Jesus is saying this is the way to do it. One is you have to realize who you are. And the best way to, for you to realize who you are is to realize who my father is. First of all, you need to understand that he's your father. And that he is above you. And he is in heaven. I know there's people that say he's everywhere, but he's not. He's there. That's where he is. Our Father, which art in heaven. And then he says, hallowed be thy name. Again, I think this is one of those times when it's not the name of God that is hallowed, but his nature. You remember us talking about this? It's not his name, Yahweh, Jehovah, Yehovah, you know, Y-H-V-H, I am. Everybody has given him all kinds of names. But when he says, hallowed be your name, he's saying, we want to sanctify within ourselves your nature so that your nature is our nature. If, our, if your nature is our nature, then what are we going to be doing? Praying in your name. Praying in his nature. First, you have to get into the nature of God. You want an effective prayer. This is the way to do it. If you just want to pray to make yourself feel better, I just can't go to sleep unless I pray. <laughs> oh, well, you know, take Psalmonex or something. But don't discount and don't, don't abuse something as beautiful as communication with God with a sleeping pill. If I don't pray over my food, why, I just, ha I just get indigestion. Well, you might want to look into Tums. <laughs> we, why don't we quit talking like this to people? Why don't we quit saying these kind of things? Are you just bragging about the fact that you pray? Is that what you're doing? Jesus says you're going to have to do this in his nature. His nature really doesn't, it doesn't encompass all, these, all this foolishness that we have attached to prayer. Just because you say, in Jesus' name, and there are millions of people that cannot even imagine praying without ending it, in Jesus' name, we pray, amen. There's people that can't leave amen off of a prayer. They don't even know what it means, but it's got to be, that's, that means everybody can look up now, or you can drop the hand of the person that you're holding, <laughs> uh, holding hands with when we pray. Never really understood that. It's not a seance. It's a prayer. Why are we all holding hands? <laughs> we have many misconceptions about prayer. Hey, you know, if you would like to um, uh, order from me, we have a, a, um, a CD set or an MP3 CD that uh, is a teaching on prayer. I always warn people about this because... Look, if you don't want to have a lot of your, of your uh, rituals and stuff totally destroyed, I would say just leave this one for another day. But uh, our prayers are an abomination to God. I mean, uh, and, and if that bothers you, if you're concerned about uh, your prayers being just absolutely despised, or what's even worse is ignored by God, um, then, then this CD is for you. But if you're not, if you if you're not looking for, if you're looking for this to, um, you know, kind of bolster or or back up or in some way condone the way you've prayed all your life, uh, this is not this is not the CD for you. But 
uh, I'll tell you one thing it did for me. Man, I talked earlier about praying through. How would you like to pray through every time you pray? You can. You can do that. No, you're not going to be able to do it any time you want. But you can make sure that when you pray, God hears what you say. And you know, I think that if we knew that he heard us, and we, then we would know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. Or we have his, his perfect will. Sometimes, you know, some people say, you know, well, you know, God always answers prayer, but sometimes the answer is no. No, actually, most of the time, he's not even listening. Not even listening. You think that's a blasphemy? Do you know he said that to his people? You want to keep worshiping other gods? You want to keep mixing my holidays with your, my holy days with your holidays? You want to keep on doing whatever it is you want to do? You want to keep messing with these, with these idols and messing with these gods? I'll tell you what, buddy boy, next time you get in trouble, pray to them. Because I'm not listening. You think God ignores prayers? You better believe he does. We don't want that to happen. Truth is, is because we don't have a, a, a realistic and true, tangible prayer life. We don't know when he's listening or when we don't. We just wait until whatever we ask for happens. And then we, oh, God answered my prayer. I don't know, did he? Did he? Or, did, or were you just so mentally focused on it that you brought it to pass yourself? You, know, you ought to be able to answer these questions. This is a real thing. Christianity is a real thing. It's not pretense. It's not a fairy tale. It's not fable. It's not witchcraft or voodoo. This is a real thing. And it can stand any investigation that you throw at it. If, if your prayer life, your theology, your doctrine, your denomination whatever it is that you know, is, is so important to you, if it can't stand the slightest investigation, if it can't stand the slightest application of logic, friend, you've got nothing. And <laughs> this is not to discourage you. I'm trying to encourage you. There is something better. And I'm afraid that our doctrines and our ideas, our preconceived ideas, and the way we've always done things, it's keeping these things from happening. So, these guys are coming to Jesus and saying, can you teach us to pray effectively? Well, certainly I can. Here's some things you need to know. One is, your father that cares about you, he's in heaven. And you need to pray in his nature. His first and foremost will in the earth is for his kingdom to be back on this earth the way it was when he created his man, Adam. That's his primary goal. So that's why our, our prayers and to pull ourselves into his nature need to include the words, thy kingdom come. Then, thy will be done on earth. Now, when I was a young kid and I was forced, coerced, <laughs> shamed, or whatever it took to get me to memorize this. And many people quote it this way. I hear it, I hear it a lot. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. 
on earth as it is in heaven. And I don't think they understand that he says, what he's saying is, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth. Well, by who? Him? Do you think he's down the street writing that widow woman a check to fill her LP tank this winter? No, he expects you to do that. That's your job. That's what you're supposed to do. So, thy will be done. This is, this is part and parcel with the very problem we were talking about in the earlier show. Oh, if it's the will of God, it'll be done. Okay, so it must be the will of God for her and her three kids to freeze to death because he didn't give her any propane. Really? Or was it just you that didn't care enough to see to it that she has what she needs? He's a widow. Those are orphans. You're going to stand before God one day for kids that you never even met. <laughs> for a woman that you never even met because you didn't care to. That was the will of God for you. Thy will be done in earth. And then he doesn't just leave it there. He says, thy will be done in, in earth as it is in heaven. How is it done in heaven? By willing and obedient and capable angelic beings that do exactly what they're told. Do you think that the angels just run around and just believe in God, but don't obey Him? You know, like we do. You think that's the case? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Sure, you know, th there's a difference in an angel and a man. But when it comes to obedience, there ought not be. We ought to do His will. We know what His will is. He loves. He cares. He wants things to happen. And He's got a whole task force of people out there to do that work that aren't doing it. You know, really, do you look at a, I guess perhaps we do, do you look at a general and blame him for losing a war if all of his soldiers don't do what they say? then, you know, Leavenworth would just be full of, of soldiers, disobedient soldiers, would it not? But I guarantee you the general's not going to take blame for that. He's got a system in place to make this work. So we're all mad at God because he doesn't do this or doesn't do that. But in reality, you ought to be mad at yourself because you're the one that's not doing what you know to do. And by the way, you can flip through your Bible and read through your Bible and you might come across a scripture or two that might convict you about these kind of things. But if you want to know the reason why people prefer a Bible over a relationship, over a communicative relationship with God, over His voice in your ear, because He's probably going to mention the widow down the road. He's probably going to tell you, you know, you have more than you need. Go and sell all you have. <laughs> come and follow me. We don't want to hear those things. So we leave the throne of God sorrowful because we have many possessions. All right. So he gives them this outline, makes it very clear that our Father is in heaven and his nature is to be sanctified within ourselves. Hallowed be thy name. And our purpose is the same as his. Thy kingdom come. 
and thy will be done on the earth, just like it's done in heaven. Forgive us of our sins, because, and any time you find in the, in the scriptures the word for, in many cases it can be replaced with the word because, without doing damage to the message at all, this is the case here. How are you going to be forgiven of God? How are you going to do that? Ask him. He says, forgive us our sins. That's all we need to do. Just say, forgive us of our sins. And all your sins are forgiven. Just ask. That's all you need to do. Wow, that sounds familiar. Have I been told that? Yes, hundreds of thousands of times. All you have to do is ask. That's not true at all. You know how you get forgiveness? You forgive other people. That's how it happens. That's how forgiveness happens. You're not going to find those, those two things are inextricably tied in the words of Christ. If you don't forgive every man their trespasses, neither will my Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. <laughs> I don't know that I could write that any plainer. I don't know that I could say it any plainer than that. It's very, very clear. Forgive us of our sins, semicolon. <laughs> I know that's probably not in the scriptures. But this is not the end of the sentence. Forgive us of our sins because we always forgive every man their trespasses against us. Also, when he says forgive us of our sins, Don, I thought you said we're not forgiven until, until we uh, stand before God. All right, you need to understand that this is, this is a shortcoming. This is what we don't do. This is, what we, this is falling short of the mark. Forgive us for falling short of the mark. Because our friends that minister to us, they fall short of the mark too. But we forgive them. It's okay. We understand. Why do you, for, why do you forgive people so profusely? I've been asked that question. How can you just walk away from that situation and not, and not want to do something? Didn't say I didn't want to. But you see, friend, here's the fact of the matter. I need forgiveness so badly that I can't imagine something as silly as me wanting my own way and not forgiving my brother, not forgiving the people that have done me wrong. I can't imagine something as stupid as that getting in the way of me receiving forgiveness from God. You know, we make really bad mistakes. That's one of the worst. I may be forgiven, but I ain't forgetting. Well, are you ready for the Lord God to say that to you? Because with what measure you meet, it'll be measured to you again. This is an irrefutable, undeniable principle throughout New Testament Christianity. Till next time, bye-bye, my friend. You've been listening to Don C. Harris of Think Red Ink Ministries. Email don at thinkredink.com 
That's thinkredink.com. Join us again for the next episode in the Words of Jesus series.